You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome to episode 22 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. I am Pimp Cron, and this is, well, my podcast. We cater to casual and fluff gamers, and we aim to ignite the flame of hobby in each and every one of you to help inspire your creativity, and we may or may not talk some shit about whack players and uh, power gamers, but that's all in good fun. As always, I'm excited about what we have in store for you tonight. In no particular order, which may drive some of you crazy, we have a want that or want that not with Just James, and we're discussing the Wrath and Rapture box set. Uh, which I believe is long already out, but you know what? Uh, we just got around to talking about it. And we also have a Tesseract mailbox featuring Cron Jr. And somebody's asking how you can get your kids to play Warhammer. Um, how to interest them, how to hook them, how to force them to play, or else they're punished, that sort of thing. Just kidding, no punishment. And there's a, well, here's an idea featuring Mick Storman, my longtime friend. And he is new to the whole wargaming and, and painting community. And he had a good idea. Hey, what if 40k had booster packs of models similar to Magic or Heroclix or something like that? And um, you may know the answer to that, but you'll just have to listen to what our conversation turns out to be. Because he was unaware of the... 40k has actually started to do small booster packs of, you know, blind boosters of models. So I had to uh, fill him in on that one. We also have a real talk with the Pimpcron where Just James jumps on again and we discuss why did they kill Tomb Kings? And this is not necessarily whining or crying. I do sob a couple times, but really, why did they kill Tomb Kings? Because there's it just from the outside looking in, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, given that certain other armies were still left standing and were kept into Age of Sigmar when Tomb Kings were kicked out. So that, to me, is a very interesting topic. And finally, we have Let's Get Brittle with a Pimpcron, where we finish Realm Book 1 supplement, and that would be The Wastes, which is my free rules, use your own models, 28mm RPG light skirmish war game called Brutality Skirmish War Game. And that is our first supplement book for it. And the news on Brutality is that I have official tokens in the works with a company. And we also just did today release book two of the Realm book supplements. So this will be book... Uh, we finished book one here and we just released book two of probably a 20 book series. Each one of them is about 20 pages long with... Um, you know, covering the people and the and the things that live in each region, and each region is different and whatnot. Um, when Ishtar is patching together this this big continent in the middle of this water that's in the middle of this pocket dimension, to you know keep everybody enslaved, she oftentimes will just rip a chunk of land out of some other dimension and plop it down here. So of course it comes with its own animals, it comes with its own fauna and flora and all that, and um. Oftentimes, it even has magic associated with it, and the whole continent, if you ever look at the rulebook, actually looks kind of like a patchwork of different um, biomes and different things like that, where um, literally they, it just gets all sewn together, and you 
there's a definitive line, kind of like a state map or a country map. You know, you look and there's all the all these lines and the states are different colors. Uh, a lot of these regions actually are that stark of a contrast where you are walking up, you know, and it's the ashlands and it's all gray and dry with molten lava. And then you start walking and you slowly just see, you know, this line coming up and suddenly, oh, wow, we're in the blur. And now everything is white and, you know, uh, bland and, and whatnot. So I am very excited about this uh, weekend because we just got back from MAGFest, which is Music and Gaming Festival in um, National Harbor, Maryland. That was quite fun. And I went with Brew Brew and some other friends. And it was uh, it, it's always quite a spectacle there. We... I will just suffice it to say that it attracts, you know, like Shorehammer or Warhammer events or things like that attract a very specific type of person, which would be, you know, war gamers, tabletop enthusiasts, things like that. And um, MAGFest is basically, it's, I mean, it's a ton of fun. I, I, I've been the last 10 years or so every year. And it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of, you know, concerts and things like that. But boy, it is a spectacle of humans. It is just, it's one of those places where you can just sit down in the hallway and watch like the 35,000 people that attend it just walk by in their various costumes and, and proclivities and all of that. It's just, it's, it's pretty entertaining. I got to tell you, it's like, I often say there's so many people that attend this convention and every single person you look at is different and coming from all different, you know, ethnicities and backgrounds and, and, um, interests, you know, you'll see a Star Trek cosplayer and then you'll see a, you know, space Marine or whatever. And it's almost like you're changing channels on the TV is how drastic the, uh, the, the blending of people are. So like I said, it's, um, it's, it's very, very different from Shorehammer or other Warhammer events, but it's, it's a ton of fun. If you're ever in the National Harbor area in the beginning of each year, um, MAGFest is a very, very cool event. So that's um, there's, of course, you know, lots of things that we aspire to be like them in, in certain ways for Shorehammer. But um, when they, if you even vaguely have heard of Mario and vaguely like sounds when people play an instrument of any type, uh, MAGFest is pretty much for you. It, it draws in the lowest common denominator of every single person that has ever heard a tune come from an instrument or kind of heard there's this little plumber dude in this virtual game at some point in the eighties. So anyway, it was a ton of fun, cherished memories. And you know, one of the panels we went to, they, it was a late night panel and everybody was drunk and I won't go on too long about this, but you know, it was pretty neat. They bought 2000 chicken nuggets and handed them out in the audience, which there was like, I don't know, 30, 40 people in this. It was a real small panel compared to the hundreds that go to their larger panels. But it's pretty darn cool that uh, they, they bought us nuggets. So anytime that you can end a story with chicken nuggets, that's that's a good story. All right. I've droned on long enough. Uh, MAGFest was awesome. Now listen to my podcast. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Howdy folks, it's the Pimpcron, and this is the Tesseract Mailbox, where we answer fan mail, sometimes hate mail, but usually fan mail, from listeners and occasionally my readers from articles. And today, I am joined by my first of many offspring, they are Legion, 
Uh, Kron Jr. I'm going to start every sentence with um now. Um, so we're going to do this, and why don't you open up this mail, Kron Jr.? This kind of applies to you, so... So, uh... What's he say? He says, Hey, Kron, I know you have kids. You mention them in your articles. I have two boys, age seven and four. I have tried and tried to get them to play anything related to a miniature game with no success. Do you children even play? If so, how did you get their interest in it? Should be said that I don't want to force them, but I would love to share this hobby with my kids. Looking forward to your reply, Kieran the Mighty. Well, Kieran the Mighty. Um. Uh, um. Starting my sentence with um oh again. Boy. Good grief. Now, this is the segment of the show where I bother the crap out of my son for saying um every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, Stop it. Are you. Are you going to say something about No, this? you know what? I'm not even replying to this letter. Yeah, we're you just, aren't? We're, this is an intervention where you say um too much. But... You're tearing this family apart, but, Kron Jr. But... <laughs> I just want you to reply. This is what the segment is about. You know what? You've derailed it with your ums. What? Your flagrant use of ums. What? What? It's supposed... You're supposed to reply on... Kieran the Mighty. Alright, well let's actually, it's, it's been two and a half minutes now, let's actually address what Kieran has written us. So, how do I, let me, I gotta read this again. What was this? Uh, uh, do my children play, and if so, how do I get their interest in it? Alright, well I have four children, and the oldest is nine, which is sitting here with me, and I don't really get them to play very much, honestly, because you know, Electronics and things, even though we limit electro- electronics for our children, but or we try to. Goodness gracious, they'll hide it whenever they can. But the girls do. They use my, our mom's old tesseract phones. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, despite trying hard to get them to play, I've gotten my son to play a couple times. He has a small Age of Sigmar army, and he has liked it. Except he doesn't like how long it takes. So we were just discussing, I was going to make a skirmish version of it where you take minimum squads of all the models, and that's what you do. So, of course, you won't get all your crazy benefits or whatever for lots of models, but for children, their attention span is much shorter than adults, and even for teenagers. So you can't be bothered too much with them not wanting to play a full game. What you could do is give them some models... And play with them on their terms, which is something I did with the kids. I made up a little game where uh, my son and oldest daughter had painted some space marines a couple years ago. Do you remember this, Pimpron Jr.? Oh, yeah, I had um, gold head, I think. Yeah, they painted two space marines that I had laying around. And then I had them fight the Stampa. And the Stampa was, you know, I was playing the Stampa and they were playing the two space marines. And the two Space Marines, I statted them out basically like... Uh, gods? Kind of like gods, yeah. It was obviously very forgiving. You were probably, what, seven or so? Yeah. And your, your sister was younger than that. So they really, really liked that. And they still talk about it to this day. So if you want to pique their interest in it, I think they're probably too young. Of course, every child's different, but... Generally speaking, I think your children are too young to really be interested in the actual rules, but I would say that you should meet them on their level, 
take some models that you don't care about them messing up, let them paint them. Children love to paint. That is one part of the hobby that I can get any of my children in, even my two-year-old. They all love to paint miniatures. So, if you can get them to paint the miniatures, paint them however they want, and tell them that they are making their own characters, and they get to name them, like uh, Kron Jr. over here, his guy had a gold helmet, so they named him Goldhead. And, um... What was the uh, other... Anna Lynn's was Cool Gun. Because, <laughs> cool Gun. <laughs> because yeah. it was blue. Yeah. He had a cool gun. <laughs> so, <laughs> everybody was like, hey, what's your name? Oh, it's Steve. No, nah, man, you got a cool gun. From now on, we call you Cool Gun. So, anyway, if you do that, hopefully you will get their interest. And what you really want to do is foment the type of interest that will grow over time. I know for a fact that as a child, I never played by the rules for any board game. I always made up my own rules. We had our own rules for risk and everything else because for whatever reason, I felt very restricted and did not, I, I was not interested at all in playing by the rules of a board game. So I imagine most children are like that and they would much rather free play and use their imagination and go crazy. That's what I do all the time. I go in the shed, I just take a handful of hero clicks and make an interactive story with them. Exactly. And that interests you a lot more than rules, right? Yeah. Yeah. And same thing with your two younger sisters and, and all that. So, anyway, I think that we've addressed this. Um, so, officially, Cron um, Jr. has played a couple times Age of Sigmar. He's never played Warhammer 40K. And my younger children than that have never played any Age of Sigmar or anything. But hopefully if you can keep their interest in the avenues that they want to use the models in, then you can at least get them to be interested as a background interest. And then as they get older and they're capable of reading rules and enjoying an actual game for what it's worth, then hopefully they'll come back to it and, you know, they've been playing with those models all along and maybe painting some. And that's really all you can hope for because I fall in the same camp as you, uh, Kieran, is that... I want them to play very badly because I would love to spend that time with the children. But of course, you don't want to force them. And you don't want to be like that parent that's like, oh, you're going you're gonna to do ballet and otherwise I'm going to be mad at you. Or you're going to play football or else because, you know, I'm going to be mad at you. So you don't want to be like that parent and go, well, you're going to play with these miniatures games or I'm going to be mad at you. And I, obviously you've said it in your message that you don't want to be either. So as parents, we got to walk that fine line, but my suggestion is get them interested on the level that they're interested in. Hold on, hold on. Um, I would like to say that don't be like a orc. They're like, the boys are supposed to drive tanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a spot-on orc impression. Uh, yeah. It is. Do a Necron. Um, you have to fix a computer. <laughs> That's funny. What's a Tyranid? Uh, Tyranid is like... <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it, Kieran. Thank you for writing in. This has been the Tesseract Mailbox with Pimpcron and Cron Jr. Want that or want that not? Well, you all know it's time once again for Want That or Want That Not with the Pimpcron, and today I'm joined by Just James. Hello. And we are going to be covering the Wrath and Rapture box set, which is $160 from Games Workshop. 
It features one half of corn demons and one half of slanesh demons. So, what is your uh, hot take on this, Just James? Overall, I like I like it. You know, you got the new models with the fiends of slanesh. That uh, lady that's playing the skin harp. Uh, a herald, I guess. Yeah, you got Karnak, and then the new flesh hounds, and then it comes with uh, three blood crusher blood crushers. <laughs> It comes with, uh, what it said, 10 uh, blood letters, 10, ten. ten demonettes, and 5 seekers uh, of Slanesh. It's 160 bucks, so it's uh, $10 less than two start collecting boxes together. Although it looks like you're getting more than two start collecting boxes. Uh, somewhat. Um, the start collecting for corn has you know blood letters it has the blood crushers as a skull uh skull throne skull cannon or blood throne and i think also a herald so, oh, so. Yeah, yeah, may, yeah this is kind of similar maybe just slightly better um, yeah. because it features the new models the yeah, brand new fiends the, yeah it's got the new models so what do you think of these new um flesh hounds uh, flesh hounds look pretty good. They look a little bulkier than the uh, older ones, uh, uh, from what I can remember. I also feel like they have a lot more motion. If you see them, you know, yeah, they're like they're... galloping. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, I've never really played much with flesh hounds, but... Me either. I don't have any. And I think for Age of Sigmar, they're a battle line for corn. Not really. I'm pretty sure they are. Um, so, this is... Is this actually... You know, I didn't even look. Is this a 40k or is this an Age of Sigmar set? They have rules for both. Oh, Okay. Um, I just assumed it was 40k. Yeah, it's on the box. Oh, I see that. Okay, because I just assumed it was 40k, but then I was like, oh, wait, this is completely applicable for both. So I guess this guy is a, maybe he's a herald right there on the blood crusher, Uh, or could be used as one. Yeah, no, I think that that's just a banner that you're looking at. Oh, so they don't, they don't have any leader besides Karanak? Besides Karanak, no, they don't. That's kind of weird to be led by a a three-headed hound. Yeah. Um, I always wonder how the top one eats. (laughs) <laughs> did the did the bottom two like throw up scraps to him or what? <laughs> that head should be shrunken. <laughs> the top one should be much smaller. So uh, everyone's going crazy for the herald there or, or whatever her name is with the harp made of that dude's skin. Yeah, and that's that's pretty cool. I mean that's a that's a pretty metal model. Um, she's the infernal enrapturous, whatever that means. I'm pretty sure she's like a herald. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure she's gonna be a herald type. Yeah. Um, is that not an awesome model, though? Everybody was worried that, you know, Slanesh was going to get um, Sesame Streetified and all yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah, with the whole sexuality stuff. And uh, they're apparently were, people were thinking they're going more mainstream or whatever. Uh-huh. So kid friendly. Kid friendly. Uh, you know, in a game about death and people getting slain <laughs> and shot up and all that. Can't have any nudity in it. And, you know, it, it really has nothing to do with sex at all, but there's a small part of me that is happy that they kept all the boobies in the Fiends of Slanesh. Not for any sexual reason whatsoever. Not for some cringy, like, oh, I love boobies. <laughs> no, nothing like that. Just the fact that they had the model had them before, and they did not censor it and cover it up and change it to be more PC or whatever. Yeah. That's that's my main reasoning why I'm like, oh, they I'm surprised they kept the breasts in there. Um, yeah, yeah, I like that too. I I think all the, the demonettes no longer have breasts exposed, right? Or if they do, it's like a sigil over the end of it. Um, 
No, they don't have any exposed. It's like either armor or I think it's just armor over it. You know, something struck me the other day. I was looking at a great unclean one at Shorehammer and somebody had painted it and I was like, wow, I never realized demons are mammals because fiends have boobies. Demonettes have boobies. The great unclean one has boobies and nipples. So they must breastfeed their young. Hey, yeah. Never. <laughs> All the little nerglings are breastfeeding of the great unclean one. Um, so that's that's interesting. Demons don't have genitals, but they do have mammary glands. Interesting. So anyway, um, I think Karanak is like just okay. I don't see how that model is anything super special. I don't remember what the old one looked like. I don't. I didn't have them. I didn't really play against them that much. Uh, I guess he's just like beefier, just like the flesh hounds. Yeah. As, as far as I can remember. But, uh, but lots of people like it, what I heard. Yeah, and I, I've heard the, the same thing. I do know that the Fiends of Slanesh looked pretty darn goofy, the original model. Yeah. And these models look pretty cool. Yep. They're really sharp. They kind of almost have like a Tyranid look, a Tyranid warrior look on the top. And uh, everyone loves demonic aardvarks, honestly. So. Yeah, I, and I just had the thought of... Uh, the Fiends of Slanesh, you know, you just said they look goofy, and we were saying how they look good, and I was thinking, you know, of another model that looked goofy, and that would be cool if they made it look good, was the uh, Beasts of Nurgle. But then I just remember they <laughs> did redo them, and they don't look any better. Actually, that was me and you that covered that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, um, yeah, they actually do look goofier. Well, no, actually, they look better than the old weird, remember it was like a weird yeah. twisted scorpion looking thing? Yeah. Uh, so these ones do look better as a model, but they're so goofy looking. Yeah, they could have done, uh, made them look way better than what they are. Yeah, now. but um, so so my my ultimate feeling of this is the corn stuff. I I think is pretty uninspiring. Karnak looks okay. He looks fine. The flesh hounds look better, but still they look fine. Um, but the Slanesh side, the fiends look definitely better. And the uh, whatever enchantress, sorceress, whatever her name is, the uh, the herald, that's pretty wicked. And I'm really glad they brought some. I hate to say it like this, but brought some torture in with Slanesh. You know. Yeah. Um. So maybe we're gonna see like a darker, more mature side of Games Workshop and uh, Slanesh. Uh, maybe. So what is this a want that or want that not for you? For me, it would be a want that because. I- you know, it's good for bulking up your demon army, which I do have. Um, you have both sides. Yeah, yeah I have all four uh, of the gods, at least some points in it. So this would be good. I could get a Karanak. I could get the Flesh Hounds, which I don't have. I can get more Blood Crushers and like, more Blood Letters. And then on the Slash side, I don't have Fiends. Mm-hmm. So I'd have those. I have the new model. And then I would have uh, five more Seekers, Seekers of Slash. I have... Uh, five already uh so i can bulk that up and i have a bunch of demonettes so that would be good to bulk that up too so for me it is a want that i don't actually play demons in any fashion or form but if i did play demons i would probably ignore the corn side and just go for the slanesh side i've always had a soft spot for slanesh to begin with and these two new uh ranges of models between the sorceress lady and the fiends looks way cool so I would definitely be split in that box if I played Slanesh Demons. But 
honestly, I guess it's a want that not for me because I don't really play them. But it's not their fault. It's my fault that I don't play demons. So I guess that's it. That's a want that and a more or less want that. Uh, thank you for listening. Let's go on to the next segment. Now, here's an idea. And this is the part of the show where we have, well, here's an idea. And as always, I'm the Pimpcron, and today I'm joined by my good friend, Mick Storman. Hello, Mick Storman. How you doing? I'm doing just fine. Right on. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Mick Storman approached me, and he said, well, I have an idea. And I said, what's that? And what was your idea, Mick Storman? Well... I like playing Magic the Gathering, and one thing I like Boo. about it... Oh. No, I like Magic, too. Go ahead. Oh, come on. Oh, anyway, thanks for interrupting me. It's cool. Um, <laughs> lost my train of thought. Anyway. We don't use the M word on this podcast. Oh. Well, the Agic May, <laughs> Atherin Gay. All right. That's Pig Latin for you folks that don't understand that. It's good. Anyway. Well, one thing I like about that card game uh, was that when you buy a booster pack, you get random cards. And I remember even to this day, if I bought a random pack of cards, I always got a nervous excitement uh-huh. because you really don't know what you're going to get. And sometimes you get a really cool rare or you get a really lame rare. And I thought the randomness of it all was really exciting. And I thought it would be a good idea, if, and I'm not sure if 40K or Warhammer does this, if you could buy like a booster pack and get random miniatures. Um, I thought that would be really cool. That would get a lot of people into it. My, my personal belief you know someone that's new to this uh, that would make it more enticing okay well um first of all they have just literally started doing that in the last couple months like the last four to six months something like that say what yeah and they uh but so this booster pack doesn't have you know like magic has what 15 cards or something Mm -hmm, in a booster mm -hmm. um and how many models do you think is in this booster pack that you buy uh seven would at least be seven you think (laughs) No. So you get one model in there. Well, how much does it cost? Just make a guess. How much do you think? What's a, what's a magic pack? Four ninety nine. Yeah, it used to be three dollars back in my day. I think it's five now. Yeah, or four bucks. Even that's pretty pricey, I think. So how much do you think it'd be for just one model? I'll say four bucks. No, um, it's either seven or eight dollars. Holy crap! No. So <laughs> <laughs> pass. So, so you think that like. Anything you get out of this package would be really cool, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this it would is... have to be really cool, or your odds would be... I mean, that's a lot of money for one miniature. Absolutely. Yeah, $8 for one model. I mean, now, you're talking about, like, HQs, you know, um, leaders and things for armies can be, like, $30, $35 for one model. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But at least they're, like, cool, they're a hero, you know, they're, yes. they're, they're just not the regular plebs, you know, uh-huh. walking around. Well, the issue with this is that there are... Um, Roughly 12 models. I think this is... I'm bringing up a picture right now of all the models. And the majority of them, the ones that are very common to get, are all just regular Space Marines. So if you had a Space Marine army, Mm -hmm. Mm McStorman, which you don't, but if you did, Uh you would already own probably dozens of Space Marines. So why the hell would you spend $8... Exactly. On a that, that doesn't make sense because people are most like you said it's a very common army people play with yeah now the only reason why i would ever do that if they made a special edition ones where you could only get it from buying the booster packs um some of these models are only in the booster pack i think this veteran sergeant with the red helmet mm-hmm. over there on top um i think he's special are they already pre-painted or are they no okay so you got, <laughs> so... You got paint on. <laughs> No, um, if anybody, I hope all, some of you laughed when he asked that because he's 
he's new to this hobby and and well, you know. <laughs> so no, nothing. You don't get anything pre-painted from Games Workshop. Oh. So I agree with you. Mm-hmm. The whole booster pack idea is a really good idea, mm-hmm. but if you're paying eight dollars a pack for one Space Marine, and the Space Marine's probably just a regular troop. Yeah. That's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. It's that's to me as a new. Like I said, I keep saying I'm new new at this, which I am. It's really boring, I think, where you it's and it's easy where you could go online, find what you want, click and buy. Yeah. And there's something it just I like the I like the idea of buying and get something random, but also not wasting your money. Yeah. And to me that's a waste of money. Eight bucks, seven bucks for something that you most people already have anyway. And I, I agree with you actually, but and I you know, maybe these models, the guy throwing the grenade or the the guy shooting or whatever, maybe these are special models. The poses you can only get. But dude, I don't give a shit. Like, a Space Marine is a Space Marine. They should all be sergeants. Or they should all have special weapons. Mm-hmm. Or they should all... And if you look at the actual chance to get, like, a, a like an awesome model, uh-huh. it's like 1 in 64. And even, even if it is good, how much is that one model worth? Even if you see that you did get it, is it worth 8 bucks or the, is it worth 10 bucks? Uh, that one, that one best model, I don't think there's any actual leaders. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's all sergeants and things. But... You know, somebody will pay ten bucks or something. See, but... that's what that's what I liked about the the magic booster packs is uh-huh. that you could get a rare that's worth a hundred dollars, yeah, or worth two hundred depending on the the need for it in type two or whatever you're playing, uh, whatever's going on at the time. But that's it'd be cool to have something like where you could get a model that's worth a lot or something really special about. It. Maybe it's like a special one-of-kind design from, I, I don't know, to something special that make you want to buy these booster packs. <clears throat> to me, there's no incentive to buy these a booster pack. I mean, that, there's well, no gain from it, really. Believe it or not, mm-hmm. they sell really well. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> it blows my mind. I don't, like, maybe because I'm just not in that mindset, but it just it doesn't make sense. Even from a business perspective, it does. there's no gain from it, except that you already got the stuff in the first place most people got these space marines why pay extra money for another space marine i i don't understand that dude i don't know honestly if they were going to do this mm-hmm. in my opinion they would they should make every single model something cool exactly and something that's it's different from anything else because even even spending eight dollars for a freaking space marine that's that's astronomical now i mean my only thing that would be cool too let's you know, segue here a little bit but um but they had like one of those things where you could pay a monthly fee and you get a box delivered to your your house, like the uh, crates. Yeah, crate. Yeah, exactly. Thing. Well, it'd be cool. You could get st- special stuff in these crates. Um, you could get paints in there, random um, board mats and terrain. Um, now, I'm not sure if the Game Workshop does it or not, but if it did do that, I think a lot of people would pay for that. I do know there's some company that has a terrain crate. Mm-hmm. It may be called terrain crate, mm-hmm. and it comes with random stuff. And and uh, I'm not much on on these, but um. Uh, Games Workshop, their prices are so high that in order for you to like get free stuff, quote mm-hmm. unquote, yeah, you would have to be like, uh, like it would be like two hundred a month. Or and that's something. what's so crazy. There, everyone, there's, there's clothing companies that they do like. There's most crates are like fifty bucks, if not cheaper. Yeah. And like you said, I, from what I'm learning and what I'm seeing, it seems like Games Workshop shop is very greedy, and that yeah. like you, <laughs> and like you said, it sounds like. If you did, if they did do a crate, it'd be like five hundred bucks a crate a month. Oh yeah, it'd be something crazy expensive. Which I don't know why. It's just it's plastic. 
I'm, I'm plastic is not expensive. I don't. I don't. No, it really isn't. That's why I don't understand why. But honestly, you can't. I mean, you obviously can't blame. You're, you know, you are familiar with business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if these idiots, and I'm sorry to anybody who's buying these boosters, but I'm not. If I'm... these idiots are spending eight dollars for a fucking space marine, mm-hmm. right? Then they'll buy anything. Uh, that's, that's, well, that's another thing too. The the hobby. A lot of people. I mean, a lot of people. It takes a lot of money. It seems like to get this these uh these pieces and miniatures and the army's terrains. Going, yeah. and so uh, it's pricey. It's very pricey, and I can't believe people waste their money on getting a common space marine. You know, it's funny because um uh, my local store Phoenix mm-hmm. they said that when they first started stocking these, they were like. Dude, no one's gonna buy these. Mm-hmm. Like it's not gonna. And then they said somebody will casually buy one, mm-hmm. and he'll yeah. walk away with it. He'll open it up. A couple minutes later, he'll come back and go, "Can I have another one?" And so then he what goes the and hell? buys that. And they said somebody will buy five or six of these things at eight dollars a pop, oh or, or however much it is, seven or eight dollars. And I'm like, why? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's just for a common. Like I said, if there's if if you if you get some ultra rares that are worth a lot of money, are just really cool and different from any other model you could ever get. Then I can see the the lure yeah. of doing that. Like Magic has that lure. There's oh, the ultra the rares, rares and oh, yeah. they could be worth a lot of money. And or it's just I know you could you could go online. And you could actually buy the rare if you wanted to because people post this stuff online. You could yeah. buy it. But this the but you, the, the, the the what's so cool about buying the packs that you could essentially get a a rare that's worth a couple hundred dollars for only four bucks. Yes. And that makes it fun and exciting. Well, and you get more card. You get cards. You get fifteen, not just one. And honestly, one this... and done. This scares me. Being that they're trying to do this now, mm-hmm. you know, all these years I was like, well, Warhammer's expensive, but at least it's not blind boosters. And now, now, yep. <laughs> now it's blind boosters. Now, now they watch you get rid of you. They don't sell it. You got to buy everything in a booster pack or something. Yes, and that really scares me. Just like Heroclix, just all like about Magic. The money, the bottom Dude, line. Dude, Heroclix, I don't know how it does in other places, but from everything I've seen in the local areas. And by local area, I mean the multiple states around us. Mm-hmm. Heroclix is dying. Mm-hmm. Like they've they've completely hoard out that entire game, and that the booster pack stuff is bullshit. And Magic's becoming the same way. It's become it's becoming a money. I mean, like Type Two, for example. I mean, you constantly got to keep buying new cards just to play in Type Two tournaments, and I think that's just that's bullcrap. I'm not a big Type Two person. Um, but anyway, I'll yeah. be off topic with that. But just, it's, it's, I know businesses is about money and making money. I get that, but it's like they lose the the soul of the purity of just the game and the, the funness of it, yep. and and the camaraderie of the the people. And because just because you own a business doesn't mean you have to be cold to everybody. Why can't you own a business and still have a good time and bring people in? Uh, to me, that would bring more people to the hobby, especially people like me. They're really hesitant. Diving in all the way. Yeah, it'd be nice if it's more welcoming and affordable. And um, um yeah, that's just that's this just at. feels like a money grab. To it me. does. It feels very greedy. It feels yeah. very cold, um, standoffish, and not not. It makes me not want to get into it because it seems like it's just crazy expensive to even start. It's very intimidating in, in a way uh, to even try to do it. I can only hope that these blind boosters aren't too successful, mm-hmm. or I'm really afraid that we're going to start seeing more and more of the people bullshit. are listening to this 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 podcast. Do not buy the boosters. <laughs> Protest they, it. They already are. Don't stop <laughs> it. Return problem. it. Shame on you. Burn them right now. Don't even play with them. All right. Well, here is the episode, the part of the episode where McStorman suggests an idea with his 
green green behind what is it green eared what your green what's the phrase when you're new to something uh wet green behind horn. the ears wet behind the ears green horn green horn yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when he's a green green horn wide-eyed noob to this industry and the poor guy just gets shot down by me and what is really happening in the world it's depressing it is <laughs> it is depressing anyway thanks for being on mcstormin no problem thank you pimp crawl see ya I've used all the dating sites that are out there, and each one is exactly the same. Full of players and losers who only want one thing. That's when I found out about joining Pimpcron on Patreon. With a simple monthly donation, I get all of the love and support from Pimpcron that I could possibly want. See you later, dating websites. I've got the Patreon.com backslash Pimpcron. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp Cron. Welcome to another segment of Real Talk with the Pimp Cron. I am the Pimp Cron, and today I'm joined by my part-time friend, longtime lover, Just James. How are you? Hello. How's it going? <laughs> so, I told him to speak up. Because he's always so quiet on this show, and I have to uh, increase the volume on his voice because he's a he's a mumble talker, and I never have any volume control. I'm very loud, so hopefully uh, he will not continue to. Is yell. it okay if I just yell through the whole thing? No, absolutely not. That's too loud. So today we're talking about uh, why you thought they got rid of Tomb Kings and Bretonia from Age of Sigmar. And, you know, I know this is kind of an old topic, but, and it's really a topic I never really cared much about until recently. I do have a very small Bretonian army. I've got like uh, nine knights painted and I might have like nine more and that's all, that's my whole army. Um, I've never actually played with them that I, I can recall, but I did just recently procure a Tomb Kings army and I am very excited about Tomb Kings. Actually, when I tried to play eighth edition for, uh, 8th edition 40k. 8th edition Warhammer Fantasy Battles before Age of Sigmar. Uh, before I did Vampire Counts, I actually thought about doing Tomb Kings. But then I ended up buying a lot of Vampire Counts on eBay. So that's why I never tried Tomb Kings. But I have always looked at Tomb Kings and thought, dude, those look awesome. I love the motif. I love, you know, the mummified skeletons. I love all the different units. And so now that I've started this army... I'm really beginning to wonder why on earth did they get rid of this army? So let's let's start with Bretonia first before we hit into Tomb Kings. So what's your thought on why they might have got rid of Bretonia? Uh, I would guess maybe uh, they weren't selling well. Um, maybe not. I mean, but admittedly, what I've heard on the grapevine is that the reason why Warhammer Fantasy Battles was kind of discontinued and they did Age of Sigmar instead was to breathe new life into it. Apparently, uh, now I don't know this for sure. I don't have their sales numbers, but they claim that the player base for Warhammer Fantasy Battles was getting kind of stagnant and nobody was buying new models because everyone had fleshed out armies, essentially. And, you know, all the armies were pretty massive. They had, you know, 20, 30 units per army. And that's more than you'd ever really need for any one army. Um, did you ever hear that? Uh, yeah, just now from you. Oh, well, there you go. You heard it first, James. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Um, 
so that is why I had heard that they got rid of fantasy battles. Now, Bretonia, I mean, if we look at it from a business standpoint, Bretonia was kind of just generic medieval. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just guys on horses and damsels in distress. Yeah. So, I mean, can you think of any units at all that were different in any way? I can't really think of any. No, I'm not too familiar with uh, Bretonia, but I've played against a guy recently, and, uh, you know, he just had the horses and the damsels. Standard stuff. Oh, the Pegasus Knights. The Pegasus Knights were, to my knowledge, the only kind of interesting unit that wasn't just medieval British. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, I mean, they're still knights, but the knights on Pegasus, which is something. Um, so I could definitely see also they had didn't they have um, now these are old models, but they had Robin Hood and they had a bunch of like his merry men. And <laughs> uh, I actually have a bunch of the models. I got just in a lot sometime. They're metal. There's a Friar Tuck and there's um little John, the, the big dude. And there's someone else in Robin Hood. That's, and that's weird. Yeah, I don't know if they were still a unit or not in 8th edition fantasy or not. but um, So that just goes to show that their their IP, it wasn't really trademarkable. I mean, Bretonia, Bretonians, I don't know if that's a trademarkable word. I feel like I've heard the phrase Bretonia before, like talking about the, the British Isles or, or whatever. Maybe I'm just making that up. But uh, I have noth- nothing in my mind about it. So I, I kind of feel like maybe maybe that wasn't trademarkable. Um, it wasn't unique enough, you know, for them to trademark it. But certainly, uh, I mean, you would think Tomb Kings was trademarkable enough, but I guess it's kind of bland. It's kind of like Lizard Men or Vampire Counts. They're, yeah. They're like generic words. You can't just trademark that. Um, so, Bretonia, what I'm surprised they didn't do is take at least like one of the sorceresses or something like that and the Pegasus Knights and add them to the Free Guild because they kept Empire, which ended up turning into Free Guild. So I'm surprised they didn't just kind of lump that in there with them because that's true. Humans are humans, right? Yeah. We all look the same. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. And uh, they did have a bunch of the units that were almost identical models. Like they had the, um, the Grail Knights and they had the, I'm going to make stuff up now because I can't remember the other ones. But there's like three or four different units of knights. And it's, oh, he, we're the Grail Knights. Oh, we're the Lance Knights. We're the Pegasus Knights. We're the... Uh, maybe they thought it was a little too goofy. Like you said with the whole Robin Hood and all that. And then the whole Grail, like the Holy Grail. Oh. Maybe that was another reason why. I did not think of that, but maybe you're right. Maybe they were going for a little more serious of a feel for Age of Sigmar. Um, yeah, but then they could have just renamed them, got rid of the Robin Hood and uh, all that stuff. If that even was still a unit, I'm not certain it was, because the models I have are pretty old. They're metal. Yeah. But uh, So let's go to Tomb Kings now. Um, Tomb Kings, I so I always just assumed that you know they, they weren't trademarkable and they weren't unique enough, because I never looked at the army like real closely. But if you look at the actual army, like it's it's got a ton of unique things they have like um giant scorpions they have a whole unit of statues that can fight they have uh, i mean they've got skeletons on chariots which is not anything great you know unique 
Um, but they've got, you know, um, beetle swarms and uh, those sepulchre stalkers. Sepulchre. Sepulchre. Okay, I know I'm pronouncing this wrong. Sepultura. No. <laughs> it's sepulchral. Sepulchre. Anyway, it's it's spelled sepulchre. Uh-huh. I know I'm saying it wrong. I can't remember how it's pronounced. But anyway, the um the giant snake people. Okay, don't look at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh they have a ton of neat units. Uh what about the necrosphinx or the war sphinx? I mean, they've got some uh the they have that one guy uh, on the, what are they, Mortarks? The... Arakan the Black. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they still have him. Um, but he's been folded over into... Yeah. But, uh... That's, what's that? That's uh, New Legions of Nagash, right? Yes. Yeah, he's one of the Mortarks of Nagash. So, maybe they'll bring them back with that? Well... Down the line? You know what? Is interesting. I had been reading up on Toon Kings, and in I don't know what book it was because people I was reading it about people referring to it, not not actually reading the book myself. So I don't know what book it was in, but they were talking about that in Shaiish or Shaiish, however you pronounce that. I don't know how to pronounce anything in Warhammer. Okay, let's just get that. <laughs> let's just get that out there now. Who man? <laughs> Monkey, you know. <laughs> um. So in Shaiish. Shyish, uh, which I think is the realm of the dead, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm pretty sure it is, yeah. Okay. There are the something deserts. They are they have a certain name. There's a certain deserts in Shyish. And they talked about um like some sort of restless king and whatever that wanted like retribution or wanted wanted to get back at the world. But that's basically all it said. And um that was just in one of the fluff parts of one of the books. Um I wouldn't be surprised if it was Legions of Nagash. I have that book and have not looked through it. Um, but you know how we talked about before, like little battles that we talk about in 40K, like little one-off stories like Tyranids versus Demons or whatever, you know, in the lore that they put in codexes. Uh-huh. Um, this was just like one of those little blurbs of, hey, there's some angry dude in the desert, <laughs> you know, and Tomb Kings are from the desert and Shyish is the uh, the area of death, right? Pretty sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So they're kind of hinting at the fact that, you know, you could have Tomb Kings in it. Just some guy out in the desert who's angry. <laughs> He's just mad. I'm in the desert and I'm angry. I'm angry. Uh, yeah, he keeps having mirages of like an Arby's. But when he gets there, it's nothing. <laughs> it's just a rock. So. It's um, the same. But see, here's. here's <laughs> you like Arby's. <laughs> um. Of all people, I know Just James likes Arby's. He, we have an Arby's nearby. So, um, one thing that I think is odd is that if you look at all the other armies that they did keep, they have uh, vampire counts, they have orcs and goblins, they have free guild, they have um, uh, lizardmen, all of that. And nearly all of them got broken up into tiny little armies. So, like, let's just say from vampire counts. Uh, what armies came from vampire counts? Uh, I don't know. Why don't you tell me? Uh, Flesh Eater Courts, uh, Death Rattle, Soul Blight, Night Haunt, and uh, something Mortis, which is the zombies. Those, they, they come off the top of my head. So that's five armies right there out of the vampire counts. 
But Tomb Kings were already a fleshed out army. Now, a lot of their models were old, and I get that. Because, you know, I mean, people don't buy the old crappy skeleton models that much or whatnot. But instead of breaking up an army that's really a hodgepodge of different crap, you know, of five different armies now, Tomb Kings was already a full army. And yeah. it was only one type of thing. Yeah. Um, so I was going to say that maybe Bretonia could not be broken up into smaller armies. So they got rid of it. And Tomb Kings could not be broken up into smaller armies, so they got rid of it. That's, yeah, that's probably true. Because if you look at Orcs and Goblins, what did you get out of there? You got... Orcs and Goblins? <laughs> Both Orcs and Goblins came out of the Orcs and Goblins. Now you've got Gitmob, you've got Spider Fangrots, you've got Greenskins, you got Savage Orcs, blah, blah, blah. You've got like 15, the Trogoths, and, and all those, just crazy amount of stuff, just... Okay, basically, the entire Destruction Alliance allegiance is orcs and goblins, I think. Yeah. And ogres. Ogres. Um, Skavener Chaos. It's all ogre now. (laughs) So, uh, the only thing that breaks that theory, though, is that Bretonia and Tomb Kings couldn't be broken down into smaller armies. But Lizardmen, they're basically a full army. Yep. And they got to survive. <laughs> um, well, like maybe they're more unique than skeletons in a desert. I guess that's why they're still around. Yeah, you know, they're lizard, lizard people, and they're they got some dinosaurs, and people like dinosaurs. That's true. Dinosaurs are more interesting than mummies. Yeah, says the nine-year-old self of me inside. <laughs> so. Um, uh, you know, when I was like eight years old, I could rattle off all kinds of dinosaur facts. Could not rattle off a bunch of mummy facts. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that is it. Uh, uh, what movie did better, The Mummy or Jurassic Park? Oh, yeah. Actually, I think the first mummy did okay. I feel like the first one did okay. And then when they got... The, the Brendan Fraser one. Yeah. Yeah, not the, the very first one. What? The, like 19-whatever. What, the Brendan Fraser one was a remake? Yeah. I had no idea. Yep. I thought that was the very first one. No, it's not. Well, now, welcome to Pimpcron's Movie Podcast, <laughs> where we discuss movies. Uh, I did not know that, but you just blew my mind, man. Just blew it. Yeah, that's why with this whole Tom Cruise one, there people would be like, oh, it's not as good as the original, and then people would be like, oh, Brendan Fraser one or the uh, old one. Oh, okay. Well, um, so, Tomb Kings... Uh, I feel like they had a lot of... So, in other words, I don't know why they canceled Tomb Kings. They had a very unique motif. Like, everything looked unique. It had the Egyptian whatever. They had a ton of unique armies that would not go into Death Rattle or whatever. I mean, I mean, uh, unique units. Like the Necrosphinxes and all that stuff. They have a ton of army uh, units that are unique to Tomb Kings. And even their skeletons, sure, their skeletons just like Death Rattle, but their Egyptian skeletons, they have completely different weapons, completely different shields and headpieces, and their bodies are different. Yeah. It just really baffles, baffles me. Uh, yeah, I know. it's really strange, because they look pretty cool. I would actually get them if they, uh, like if they made newer models, because I like newer models. Um, but yeah, they, they seem interesting and cool. Do you think that they got rid of them because they 
didn't want to redo the models because the chariots and stuff are like really old and crappy for tomb kings um they didn't want to redo the well they redid the black coach oh yeah they did so i don't think that's a problem yeah but you know what at the time of age of sigmar you're talking a couple years ago um they weren't really redoing models because, you know, they just redid all the Moon Clan grots, too, which are going to be coming out soon. Yeah. And people are, like, losing their mind over those because they look really cool. Well, those were models. And, you know, those models didn't even look bad. Like the um, Fanatics, the Goblin Fanatics with the Wrecking Ball. Yeah. Those models look perfectly fine. I mean, not super detailed, but... And these new ones have a lot more detail, but they didn't really have to redo that one. I don't know. So, I just... You know, I was also wondering, too, that maybe the Tomb Kings, the whole Egyptian thing, is too close to the Lizardmen's Aztec thing. Because, you know, Aztecs have those ziggurats or whatever, the pyramids, and Egyptians have pyramids, and the Lizardmen have all those, like, bracelets and trinkets and necklaces and headdresses, and the Egyptians kind of have the same thing, you know? Uh, yes and no. I mean, but it's still lizards wearing it and then skeletons wearing it so i'm just wondering that maybe they uh when they were looking at all the armies deciding what to cut maybe they were thinking that tomb kings was uh like you got two things that are kind of similar actually you have three things you have death rattle which are skeletons you have tomb kings which are egyptian skeletons and you have lizard men which are we'll just say egyptian lizards okay well, the skeleton part of Tomb Kings could easily go to Death Rattle, and the Egyptian part of Tomb Kings could easily go to, to Lizardmen, as far as trying to talk about uniqueness of each army. So it's kind of like Lizardmen and Death Rattle just had a baby, and that's Tomb Kings. And that's not really super unique. I'm just trying to find some reason why they might, might have got rid of them. And you already have skeletons in Death Rattle, you already have Egyptian whatever in Lizardmen, Tomb Kings kind of in the middle. That's all I can kind of think of. Yeah, that um, you might be right about that theory. So, uh, I guess I don't know if this came off as me just whining the whole time or not. But uh, <laughs> I mean, because I'm still playing them. I mean, screw it, I'm I'm still playing them. I mean, they still have that paint Ushabdi, whatever. Yeah, they do. And that's a unit in Tomb Kings. Yep. That's so. interesting. What's up with that? Now, Ashabti, I don't think, would probably be... But, you know, they renamed so many units and armies. They almost renamed all the units and armies. They actually might have renamed everything. Dwarves are Dwarden, Orcs are Oryx, Lizardmen are Seraphim, blah, blah, blah. So, yep. I was thinking, oh, Ushabti probably isn't trademarkable, but rename it! Like, you renamed everything else! Yeah. So, it's just a, it's just a real mystery to me. And I think it was a neat property. Play that theme song. Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that brings back memories. I used to love that show. I, that dude creeped me the, the hell out. That song scared me when I was a kid. Was it the... Yeah. Yeah. Well, more scary, not like a... <laughs> like a jingle. Like a jingle, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, if anybody has any other uh, reasons why they think Tomb Kings may not have been... Uh, continued, then uh, please give us a ring. Of course, they still are in Ninth Age, 
and they still are in Mantix Kings of War. But, you know, it's not not Age of Sigmar. So, anyway, you can reach us on facebook.com slash pimpcron or uh, pimpcron at gmail.com. Or, of course, the phone number, which is, and I never remember this normally, it is 419-972-1811 and leave us a voicemail. Please do not poop into the microphone or calls from the toilet. Later. Let's get brutal. On this edition of Let's Get Brutal with the Pimpcron, we are doing what we always do, and we're discussing my 28mm skirmish war game with RPG light elements. It's free rules and use your own models, so there's absolutely no reason why you should not be doing this. And we are nearly finished with covering the supplement, uh, Realm Book number one, which is a supplement to add extra regions, lore, fluff, and even a mission to Brutality. And Realm Book 2 is 99% done. Actually, it is finished. It's finished, but it has not... Uh, it, well, alright, I'm just going to keep correcting myself. It is finished, and it is about to be posted. It's just going through editing. So, we left off, um, and we were in Swords Break. And this is a town just outside of Swords Break. And at Swords Break, if you'll recall, is more or less like a, almost like a dump. And it's just piles of used metal and debris and all of that around this big cavern. And all these wails and strange noises come out of the cavern, which causes people to go crazy when they're too close to it. And nobody really lives here. Anyway, so the only town that's in Swordsbreak is, um, well, it's not in Swordsbreak, it's just to the north of Swordsbreak, um, is a large tent city, and it's to the northeast, and that lies just outside of the sprawling, twisting woods. The name of this town is Red Camp for obvious reasons. It is built out of wood from the twisting woods and covered in the red hides of the local Ean Ape that calls that area home. This tent city is a bustle with a constant flow of merchants and travelers and everything you'd find in a city in a fraction of the space. There are tents to rent for the night, taverns for gossip, housing for all the hunters and scrappers, and more games than most places. But the games are taken quite seriously for the sake of boasting and due to the high stakes. The main currency here is teeth, and their value is determined by weight. There is a game to be found in every corner of Red Camp, but the ante is your teeth. And to make an honest person out of you, the loser gets the agreed-upon number of teeth removed and then drugged into sleep. The sleep is brief and only takes a few minutes, but ensures that the game had meaning and you're not getting your teeth back. For the obvious reasons, dentistry is quite popular here and nearly all citizens know something about dealing with or removing teeth. Another staple of their society is the abundance of a sleep drug called K.O. And it's not spelled K-O. It's K-A-Y-O-W-E. I love plays on words. It is very big export to come out of the Twisting Woods, and supply is so high that a pouch of it can be bought for as little as a tooth at Red Camp. When we are talking... now that's Red Camp. When we go back to Swords Break, let's talk about the flora of Swords Break. There are some generic scraggly bushes and pitiful trees that grow out of the rock and trash of Swords Break. A thin brown weed called a Lunamade that is used in many magics and magical brews. And it's known to boost courage. 
Blood Thistle is a purple flower with blood red sap and is used as a lubricant for weapons and machines because it is oily in nature. Blood Thistle is just another reason why the Colgite Matrix takes particular interest in this area. There is an unnamed yellow techno-algae that has started growing aggressively in this area. It is essentially a disease to machinery and androids because it eats circuitry and metals. There are parts of Swordsbreak that have been quarantined by the Matrix because of the threat to robot life, but that quarantine is growing larger every day. It has been theorized that this algae, quote-unquote, is really a nanovirus, which explains why it is resistant to flame and most conventional treatments. As for the creatures that live in Swordsbreak, there's a small metallic lizard, and that can be found at Swordsbreak, and it's called a Night Skink. They are real fleshy lizards inside, but adorn themselves with small pieces of metal junk, cementing it with their saliva. They eat radiation left over from power cells of weapons and ships. They are perfectly edible, though making it too frequent of a meal will land you with radiation poisoning. Various types of birds live among the peaks at Swords Break, including the lightning-fast Blitzhawk, the sneaky Grabber Goko, and the hyper-intelligent Scrapper Eagle. There's also the razor-sharp Joustbeak, and the occasional Spectre Conjurer from the Blur. All of these are edible, but vary in size and risk when trying to catch one. And that wraps up our coverage of Swords Break, which is, of course, in the Wastes. I will very briefly mention that um, there is the mission after the Swords Break, and each supplement comes with a special mission just for that kind of region. And this is a mission that is a ton of fun. I have played it several times with Loremaster Alex, and it is the Red Camp Rusher game. It can't all be senseless killing all the time, but you might lose a tooth. So basically, the entire idea behind this is that Red Camp Rush is a type of football. Um, well, it okay, so Red Camp Rush, or just Rush, as it's called, is one of the most popular games at Red Camp. It slightly resembles American football, but it has some twists. Combat is a big part of it, and weapons are allowed when playing. Players are penalized for actually killing the other players, so deaths only happen as an accident when they do happen. Every player starts with a ball, and the entire game is just one big play until a team wins. There's a lot of money to be made in Red Camp Rush if your team is popular. Efren's Consortium has a team that has been reigning champions for more than six years, which of course brings in a lot of teeth and money through betting. There's a saying that is known all over the Ether Realm that is said to be the motto of the Consortium, and that would be Coin Trump's Blood. So, um, this mission is basically, you're not trying to kill each other, you're, you each have an objective, and you can carry them around, and you gotta get them to the opponent's deployment zone, and it's, it's just a ton of fun. Uh, but, remember, you don't actually want to kill your opponent, which makes a very interesting added twist to that. Anyway, I appreciate you listening to the Pimp Crown Warhammer podcast, I appreciate you checking in with us, and making it to the very end of the show. We will be back next week, as always, and please support us on Patreon. And we are uh, also, you know, we can be contacted on pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron or the phone number, which I never remember. So, thanks for listening.